right, all right, all right, everybody. Welcome to the debut episode of the BDS Hockey Pod. Tonight, you've got Kyle, Luke, John, and myself, Ash, here to host you out for tonight, our debut episode. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what, how this this pod grows over the over time. So I'm stumbling over this here tonight. Uh, apologize, guys, but I uh, had some breaking news just before the show started uh, with the Minnesota Wild firing their coaching staff. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Not super shocked to see them let go of their coach with the rough start they've been off to this year. I mean, they just they haven't been able to get anything going. Only five wins this season. Um, you know, Kirill Kaprizov is not what he was last year. He's still got about 18 points, 19 games. But other than that, they really haven't been getting a ton of offense outside of him and, and Zuccarello, and they, and they need someone to kind of jumpstart them. Yeah, I mean, what, what were they first, first trying to exit from the playoffs last year, too? I mean – um there wasn't there wasn't there wasn't a huge huge uh, hype around this team to you know win the Stanley Cup but still I mean they've always they've been a French team for the past couple of years it's not like the roster changed too much um you know big question mark with Mark Andre Fleury I mean Fleury always comes in with a question mark every year and it's a question of is he gonna is he gonna win the Vezina or is he gonna is he gonna put up four uh, four goals against uh, on the season right? Yeah, goaltending has been brutal in Minnesota. I mean, Flurry, I know, is the starter, but Gustafson, I mean, we only got to look at him quickly in that game when the Rangers played the Wild a few weeks ago. He is just having an awful year. Yeah. Yeah, that and negative looks 20 like goal difference. To replace him, John Hines. Uh, you guys are pretty familiar with him. Looks like he's a coach. At, what was his previous stops again? I apologize. Uh, New Jersey and Nashville. Okay. So New Jersey, a little close to home for the Ranger fans among us, and Nashville, a little close to the home to the Nashville residents among us. <laughs> um, he, uh, he's he been around the block. He's a seasoned coach. I don't think he's anything special. I don't think he's the type of coach that's going to elevate a team like that. Um, from what I've gathered from reading today, I don't think Wild fans are thrilled about the hire. I think they wanted to go into more of a younger, more innovative direction. But uh, Hines is the guy they got, so we'll have to see what happens with it. Yeah, Heinz yeah, has a long history of going out in the first round. From what I've seen, 17-18 going out in the first round. Uh, lost in the qualifying round, 19-20, and then 20-21 and 21-22 going out in the first round. So, it's not Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to, to see how he does. Um, just so the viewers and listeners uh, kind of get an idea of what's going on here and, and how we came about. Myself, I, I'm brand new to the sport of hockey, so I may say something periodically that doesn't sound like it makes a whole lot of sense. It probably won't, but that's okay. That's what that's why we're here. Um, I'm gonna take advantage of, of you know the the other guys on the show to and their experience in the sport to to help myself educate myself a little bit. And we're just here to have some fun. We're no different than anybody else. Just a group of guys who, who really like the sport and just want to be on here talking about it. So I appreciate all of your time tonight. And um, if you guys want to, you know, introduce yourself, and give a couple of words here uh, before we get started too in depth, feel free to, to go ahead and, and kind of introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah, my name is Kyle Madden. Um, been a hockey fan since I could talk. <laughs> um Grew up a grew up a Flyers fan. Now I converted to a Rangers fan um, to appease my dad in 2011. Uh, uh, I have a couple of years of recreation hockey under my belt. I'm, I know the game pretty well, but 
that's that's pretty much that john yeah i'm john farrar i'm a hockey fan since i came out the womb um i was born the same year as the last time my favorite team new york rangers won the cup i like to say i was born to be a new york ranger fan um and i hope that i'll get to see one before i leave this earth uh, I'm, I'm luke uh much like kyle and john i've been been a been a hockey fan for for uh all my life um and just like kyle and john i'm a new york rangers fan as well um i love watching the sport um i mean every night it doesn't matter east coast games west coast games i'll, I'll put them on i'll watch them um and i think uh, i think of this group i think i'll take i think i'll take credit for getting uh getting Ashley involved in, in hockey. I know we've been joking about it for a couple of years and uh, I'm, I'm glad that he's making the switch over uh, for his winter sport. I know he loves his baseball in the summer, um, but I'm glad, I'm glad Ashley's getting involved with, with hockey and uh, uh, excited to see his, uh, his path here. So. Uh, yeah, it's been cool. Like kind of, it was a running joke, um, I guess last late last spring, early summer, uh, I just kind of made a joke about because, you know, the other guys in our baseball discords always talking about hockey. And so I just made a joke about being an Edmonton fan, not even knowing a single guy in the NHL. Um, and we kind of just joked about it all summer. And then about, I don't know, like August, I was like, all right, I'm going to buy in, ordered a bunch of gear, um, watched some preseason games, not just Edmonton, but uh, other teams watched some preseason games on TV, uh, kind of got hooked on it. So uh, literally once opening day came, I, you know, I've watched a game almost every night, like literally almost every night we, in my house, we've been watching a game. Um, we went up to a Dallas stars game last month. I had a lot of fun there. Um, it, it's just really cool to me because of the fact that, uh, and I've chronicled this journey a little bit in shorts on this same channel. So anybody catches this later and wants to go back and, and kind of watch uh, some of the earlier uh, shorts that I made, feel free. Um, but basically it, it's just interesting to me how it's like, you never know. And obviously you guys watching a lot, none of this will be new to you and it may sound silly, but like, it's a fast paced game, just like basketball. And I grew up that basketball was probably my first love, uh, and college, and I still have a you know, place in my heart for college basketball, but it's very fast paced, just like that. But it also has the element of, you never know that you're not going to have a, you know, you're not going to score 90 goals in a game like basketball so you never know when the goal is going to happen so there's like this element of drama at all times where you like you can't get up and go to the fridge like during play i mean you gotta wait for a timeout because you never know when that one goal is going to happen that is going to be the deciding factor so that's kind of why you know I, I think it hooked me uh and, and so it's been interesting kind of trying to learn the sport like i don't even know uh, some very basic rules yet still so and we'll get into a little bit more into detail about that here in a little bit uh, with some other segments and stuff that we're going to do for other potential new uh, hockey fans as well. But before we get too far into it, I want to segue into the uh, Jacob Truba incident over the weekend. Um, I know everybody's probably uh, heard about it and, and talked about it and, and everything else. Uh, obviously, he was fined $5,000, which is the maximum under the CBA, current CBA. Um, but to me, I, I I don't know. I was kind of really uh, surprised by this incident not being a suspension. We're going to play that. I'm going to pull it up right now, um, and we'll go ahead and play it. on. I found it on uh, Twitter here, or X, whatever you want to call it. 
but we'll play the incident real quick. I mean, that's wild to me. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy to me to see something like that happen and like $5,000 is like something my work coming to me and saying, here, give us $10. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. Explain this. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've definitely seen a lot more egregious stuff. And I mean, Kyle and John, I mean, feel free to chime in. And I know, you know, I know first thought is going to be the Ranger bias here, but um, I, it's not excusable. Right. I mean, guys are guys are, you know, in front of the net, do, you know, duking it out. And I'm sure I'm sure Jacob didn't mean any uh, mean anything by it. But you got to I mean, you got to keep a grip on your stick there. You can't be you can't be having it swinging it up there like that um it's it's not excusable um you know he served his two minutes he got his five thousand i you know actually i agree with you he probably probably should get a suspension for that um but yeah i think he i think he got lucky with the five thousand dollar fine you know we could do a whole episode on the whole department of player safety and suspensions and fines and and i won't get too far into it truba doesn't get a I love that they actually have something called the department of player safety it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a mess Ash. just wait sounds like the government that. or something we have, a whole, we have a whole history lesson on this stuff george paros get to know the name um Jacob Truba doesn't get the benefit of the doubt amongst fans because he doesn't have the most spotless reputation. He's not a choir boy by any stretch. We get it. He's had incidents before, most notably the incident with Sidney Crosby in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Um, people are willing to, to burn him at the stake for just about anything he did. What he did, like Luke said, wasn't excusable. But to his credit, he talked about it today. He owned up to it. Should he have gotten a suspension? Probably. I don't think I would have argued if he had gotten one or two games from the league. He didn't. Uh, there's been plenty of other incidents around the league over the last couple of years that haven't gotten suspensions that probably should have. I think slew footing is a major issue in the NHL right now that doesn't seem to get disciplined at all. Um, but if you look at some other angles or some other angles from it, his arm was getting grabbed by Frederick. He was trying to pull away. And as he was pulling away from the arm, he swung a stick. Still can't do that. Got to be in control of your stick. But I do buy the fact that it's incidental. Like I said, he doesn't get that benefit of the doubt. But I do like to think of it as a little bit of an accidental situation. Doesn't mean he shouldn't have been suspended for it. I don't think it's as egregious as some of the true behaviors have been making out to be. Yeah, yeah. I put it. I put it further under the microscope. Microscope for Truba. Uh, Trent Frederick is a little bit of an agitator. He definitely gets under the skin of other players. Um, he's quick. He's a skill guy, but he he throws his body around. And I think Truba just uses his momentum to his advantage there and takes a little little bit more than he he should have on that swing. Yeah. Hey, Ashley, could you uh, can you pull up the clip one more time? Yeah, let me grab it here. Take me a second. Yes, it'll take me one second here. I got to go back to. I actually xed out of that screen. Oh, you're good. I'll 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 say a note about uh, about Paris, who's who's the head of head of uh, player safety. Uh, 1,092 penalty minutes in his in his <laughs> illustrious career in the NHL. Um, that's who they put in charge of player safety. Uh, who was it? Who was it before? Was it Shanahan before him? I think it might have been Brendan Shanahan. And yeah. Brendan Shanahan was an enforcer too. So yeah. it's like yeah, the, atone, the atonement crew. Yeah, it's like all right. <laughs> I paid, I paid my due in the box. <laughs> Rangers have had their issues with George Paros in the past, so the fact that he kind of let them off on this one, uh, almost a bit surprising. <laughs> Might have been payback. Might have been payback.
Yeah, he was there averaging, he was averaging uh he was averaging a, a minor penalty a game in his career. <laughs> um yeah, right there. I think I think maybe he just like maybe saw like a fly like flying around or something like that. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. You know? I again, like I, there's just no. I don't there's, feel there's, no, there's not no intentional. Reason. There's absolutely no reason he swing, should be swinging his stick around like that. No. Uh, but, but like I said, I, I agree. I think I think he should have been should have gotten the suspension. I think maybe John's right too. I think maybe maybe Paros felt like he owed, owed the Rangers a little bit for for Tom Wilson a couple of years ago. Um, a whole bunch of different factors going in there, but. Um, yeah, I think I think he got away with the. With the he, goes, he goes baseball style on him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean that's I a chopped grounder. But... We all feel the same way that I do in this situation, but like I get a little frustrated by the fan outrage in these situations with the discipline because a couple of years ago the Rangers were the only team that tried to say that Paros isn't fit for his position, that he isn't disciplining players properly, that isn't keeping players safe. Nobody stood up with them. And now here we are a couple years later, incidents are still happening and every other team wants to complain that these incidents are happening. So I get a little frustrated by some of the fan outrage behind it because there was an opportunity and no one took it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's just, it's just wild to me, like coming from another, from, you know, not having a history with the sports. Like you see something like that and it's like, holy crap. Like if you saw, you know, a batter just turn around and whack the catcher with the bat, like, He's that dude's probably gone for a month, you know. It's like a guy picking up half a baseball bat and throwing it, throwing it at the batter, like you. <laughs> well, and it's like I'll be in the uh, the game chat sometimes for uh, in the Edmonton Discord, and guys will like. W- there's been a few times where like the team has had like a scoring opportunity, and instead like somebody decided to get in a fight. And I'm like, guys, we had the puck like right here, you know, with a chance to take a shot. And I'll complain that they got in the fight, and everybody else is like, "Well, he can't let let that guy get away with that." I'm like, "We've taken away taken away a scoring opportunity." Like, yeah, Ash, I'm, I'm thinking you. about it like other sports, you know, like. <laughs> it's a time and a place. I get standing up for your team, but don't 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 screw yourselves out of a a scoring chance by doing it. Yeah. Um, and then so like kind of next on our agenda here, we all kind of been compiled. We, we all compiled a uh, our top five power rankings for the week. This will be a segment where we try to put together weekly for you and John will lead us through it. Uh, but I'll go ahead and pull up our or his power rankings for the week. Uh, so the John Ferrara top five power rankings for the NHL. Uh, and then we'll kind of share uh, the rest of ours uh, afterward, which uh, I don't have a graphic for. So. Uh, but I, I've got John's top five here. One second. Working through the kinks the first in week one. Just right, missing so five. Here you go. Number just five. missing the cut this week at number six was the San Jose Sharks. I really feel like they're off. Oh, on. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> they were right there. Well, let's if they hadn't with... lost those 32 games to begin the season. <laughs> I think I think that, that they're just about to hit that peak. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Let's big, talk about the Sharks. Big win last night. They did have a big win last night. It's true. Uh, let's talk about our actual top five, though. My actual top five. I'm going to start with number five with the Dallas Stars. I love this Dallas Stars team. They're actually coming off a little bit of a rough stretch right now. They've lost three out of four. They've had a really tough uh, schedule in that stretch. They lost to Colorado. They lost to Calgary. And they lost to Vegas. Two of the three are really great teams. Calgary's kind of in the middle right now. They did beat the Rangers in that stretch last Monday in a big win. Um, talking about the strengths of this Dallas team, it starts down the middle. They might have had, They might have the best center depth in the league. 
Joe Pavelski, Rue Pintz, Wyatt Johnson. You're not going to find too much better of a top nine in terms of three centers down the line. Um, and they also have great goaltending. Jake Ottinger, one of the best goalies in the league. They kill penalties in front of him, um, and they do all the little things well. You know, like I said, coming off a bit of a rough stretch, but they're looking good. Um, as we take a look at their weaknesses and things that they need to improve about, they don't get a lot of scoring out of their defense. Miro Heiskin is their best defenseman. They get a lot of scoring out of him. Outside of that, they're not really getting too much contribution from anybody else. Um, and in addition to that, because of that aforementioned defensive scoring, they don't have a really explosive power play. Jason Robinson's their guy, but he hasn't has had a good of a year as he's had in the past, um, and they're not really getting a lot out of anybody else. So as they move forward, trying to find somebody to really help explode on that power play, get a little more scoring out of the defense is going to be big for Dallas. And next up is taking a look at number four, the Boston Bruins. Now, uh, you know, if I did these power rankings last week, I might have put Boston at number one, but they suffered two pretty tough losses and have really not been playing their best hockey lately. Um, for whatever reason, Boston cannot figure out the Detroit Red Wings this season. Um, three regulation losses this year, two of which to Detroit. Uh, and of course, giving up seven goals, which I did find out today, the most goals Linus Allmark has given up as a Bruin was that seven-goal stretch to the Rangers on Sunday. So they're playing not their best hockey right now, but at the end of the day, the strength of this team, even if it didn't show last week, is their defense. They are a stout defensive team. They kill penalties, and they got great goaltending between Olmark and Swayman. It's really, really the strength of this team. Um, they don't have a ton of weaknesses. I kind of stretch to find some weaknesses here. Um, face-offs are one of them. They lost Patrice Bergeron to retirement in the offseason. He was obviously their big-time face-off guy. Um, other than that, if you're looking forward to the Bruins um, in terms of what comes next, finding some scoring outside of Pasternak. Pasternak is obviously an elite goal scorer when we're looking at, uh, at, at what he can bring to the table. Um, but after that, if you look at their leading goal scorers, guys like Coyle and Zaka, they're not guys that strike fear into your hearts. So finding somebody else to kind of be that Robin to Pasternak is going to be big for the Bruins moving forward. I think they had a rough stretch. I think they'll be back up into the top three soon enough. The LA Kings, the darling team of this season, in my opinion, I don't think anybody anticipated them to be as good as they've been. I would have plagued them as, pegged them as a playoff team to start the season. I don't know if I would have pegged them as the third best team, um, at least in my opinion, to start. But they have gotten contributions from guys that, frankly, not a ton of people expected the contributions they've got, um, which is why I talk about in their weaknesses some sustainability. They're getting production from guys like Cam Talbot, Trevor Moore, and Quentin Byfield that I don't think people would have anticipated getting from those three guys before the season starts. Now, is that here to stay? Kings fans are hopeful for that, um, but I'm not sure that will be the case. Um, however, what I will say is if I do have to predict a guy that it will stay with, it's Cam Talbot. The strength of this team is their defense. They have might have the best defense in the league, at the very least the best defense in the West. Um, they have a really strong defensive system in front of Calvin, Talbot. They're killing penalties. Um, they're doing a great job in front of them. I think the Kings are just a really difficult team to play against right now, especially when they're in the same division as my number two team, the Vegas Golden Knights. The reigning Stanley Cup champions are still here. They're still strong. They're still a force to be reckoned with. Um, I know that they've had some losses, um, but I think that they're still the team to be out in the West. Um, they're, Top six is unmatched compared to a lot of teams. Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, William Carlson. They just, they can put up points at will. They can score. They can make things happen from all areas of the ice. They're a dangerous team to play against. Now, if you're looking at what comes next for Vegas and you're looking at the things that might slow them down, durability. They played longer. They played more hockey than every other team in the league last year, minus the team they beat in the Stanley Cup finals. Um, and that does seem to have an effect on teams as the season wears along. 
In addition to that, secondary scoring. If you take a look at their scoring on the roster right now, they're getting the points out of Eichel, the Stones, the Carlsons, et cetera. They're not getting a ton of scoring out of that bottom six. And while that might not hurt you in the regular season when you're playing teams like the Sharks and the Coyotes, when it comes to the playoffs, you need those guys to really step up for you. Now let's talk about our number one team. This joys me to say that the New York Rangers are my number one team this week. And, you know, some people might call it bias, but when you lead the team in wins and you have, you know, you – after that two and two start, you've basically been 12, one and two since you're seven, one and one without Adam Fox in Atlanta. You deserve this number one spot. When you look at this Rangers team, it's been built on the same strengths it's been on the last couple of years, their power play and their goaltending. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that Artemi Panarin has been insane for this Rangers team this year. Leading up until that Dallas game on Monday, he had scored or assisted on 53% of their goals this year, which is an absolutely crazy number. Now, the number has gone down after he was held scoreless a couple times last week, um, but still the element that he brings to this lineup is unmatched. When you're talking about what to look for with the Rangers next, they really need to put some full game efforts. They need to keep things sustainable. Right now, they've been leaning a lot on guys like Panarin. Um, and 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 Zibanejad, who hasn't had a great of a year, really needs to step up. They need to be able to put in 60 minutes of effort. They can't have those weak third periods like they did against Dallas or those weak, you know, first end of first periods that they did against Boston on Saturday. Um, and I don't know how much I fully buy into my bottom six weakness. It's growing. It's getting better. It was a rough start. The fourth line really took some time to gel. They're getting together now. Um, we did lose Filipito. He should hopefully back soon. Um, but really, you know, kind of enticed to see, you know, what the Rangers do moving forward. They are must-watch TV right now. Thank you, John. And uh, I'll go ahead and actually did have the uh, the rest of our top fives up here. And most of us, all of us actually had the same. Why is this? Sorry. The slideshow is not showing the right first slide. Okay. Well, we'll pull that off. Uh, anyway, the... Um, all of us had the same number one team in our uh, power rankings, uh, but everybody had a little bit different two through five. Uh, why don't you go ahead and give your feedback on the the, the power rankings that, that John gave Kyle and, and any differences that you might have had? Yeah, the only the only real difference that I had was I have I have the Kings in the number two spot, um, a team that hasn't lost on the road yet is. Formidable, and once once they put together that home record, which is pretty close to 500 right now, I, like I, it might not be sustainable. But for a power rankings that we're doing, that would be the only change that I would do right now. That team is unstoppable on the road. How about you, Luke? What did you think? Yeah, I think I think John uh, John knocked it out of the out of the ballpark here. Uh, maybe my one change is uh, is putting the Canucks in the top five. Um, you know, I know, I know they're fifth in the league in points. They played 22 games, but I mean, you look at this roster up and down and they got, they got everything covered. I mean, Thatcher Demko is, is if not elite as close to elite as you can get in a goaltender might be the, if not the best goaltender in the league, definitely the best goaltender in the Pacific. Uh, I can't say enough about Quinn Hughes. I mean, he's he's on he's on track to be a top defenseman again this year, um, and and you know the offense has, has all the playmakers too. I mean, you have you have Pedersen, you have Besser, who's 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 played really well. Uh, again, the one knock is they played they played the Sharks three times, they played the Predators twice. Um, you know, they played they played the Oilers twice, and the Oilers have, have struggled at the beginning of the year, but. Uh, 
those are games you, you got to win and, and they won them. So um, I think in terms of just in terms of roster construction um, and potential, I, I think uh, I think they need to be discussed in the top five. Yeah, I think they'd be right outside my top five. I put them at six. You got them at six. <laughs> right. Sorry. sorry see, the Sharks. Yeah, no, yeah, no. There were seven after the seven after, after the, Sharks. the Sharks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I, you know, as I said before, all four of us had the Rangers at number one. Um, and just an observation from myself, uh, and you guys maybe help add some clarity on it. It seems like the West has got a big gulf uh, because it seems like there's a, a lot of these, a lot of our top fives had West teams in it, but it seems like it, there's a big drop off after those, those teams. And it, it kind of has a lot of muddy middle basically. Um, yeah. and a lot of, a lot of the other power rankings that rank all 30, 32 teams in the NHL, it seems like a lot of the bottom half of the, of, of the power rankings are West teams. So uh, what do you guys think on that? You, is that accurate or is that just something I'm imagining when I look at that and, and that kind of thing? Or, or what is your thoughts? The West has got a handful of really bad teams and a handful of really underperforming teams. And I think that it is just, it creates a giant gap in what you're seeing. Um, you know, everybody expected the Sharks to be bad going into the season. That's not a surprise. But I don't think as many people expected teams like Minnesota, teams like Edmonton, uh, to be as bad as they have been. And I think that's created the disconnect that it has. With that being said, I feel like there's been a lot of underperformance in the East as well from teams that you didn't expect it. Teams like Carolina and New Jersey not playing as well as you have. Also, a live update here as I watch the Rangers in the background, and we add a power play goal to take a one nothing lead to start the game. Then I'll get back into it. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of teams have been underperforming. It's early in the season, um, but you know I think that that's the biggest thing. There's just a lot of teams that people haven't been expecting um, that are performing a lot worse than, than people expected. Yeah, great. Um, so, the, you know, next topic that we kind of wanted to introduce as, as a recurring theme, uh, we want to go ahead and name off one team from each division and you get and we'll the, the, the crew here will buy or sell whether or not they, they have a chance to make the playoffs. So uh, the first team that, that Luke will kind of uh, discuss, recap each team, their turnover uh, and then their stats on the year to date. Uh, so the first team that we're going to pull up here is the the Detroit Red Wings. Actually, before I get there, sorry, I forgot we were going to recap the standings first. So my apologies, guys. Uh, let me pull up the standings. NHL hockey. All right, here we are. So we have the in, in the East. Uh, here are our standings, and Detroit sits at uh, third in the Atlantic Division, uh, twenty five points on the season. Uh, 11, six and three record. Um, and then uh, I'll go ahead and add their, their slides and, and Luke, you can dive in uh, with some more information about Detroit and then we'll go around the, the table here and, and buy or sell whether or not Detroit will make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Detroit, Detroit's an interesting team. Um, I think last year um, a lot of experts were talking to them about, you know, being a dark horse. Um, it just, it just didn't fit for them. Um, and I think the same conversations came up again this year. Uh, you know, the Atlantic Atlantic division's tough, right? You have, you have Boston, you have uh, Tampa, you have Toronto. Um, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough division to get out of. Um, and I, I really like the way that they're starting off the season. Um, just some kind of notable, notable changes they've made. Um, 
you know, since the deadline last year, they 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 did end up being sellers at the deadline last year, which um, you know, kind of shapes their roster coming into this year. They traded away Hironic. Uh, they traded away Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, Bertuzzi which was which was huge. Um, they traded away Jacob Verana and 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 Sunquist. Um, and really, they in the offseason, they only uh, lost uh, Ned Jelkovich um, and Pius Suter. Um, so, you know, not really big losses there. And, you know, just some just some just some key additions. Right. With with, you know, the trade of Debrinkit, uh bringing in Debrinkit and Kubalik, um, signing, signing Comfort, signing uh, Gosses Fair and bringing in Sprong. I mean, these are all guys that had really high potential coming into the league. Um, are still trying to find their way, and you know they they're getting their chance. They're getting their chance right now to show it off. Um, just to kind of look at you know kind of a comparison between uh, last year and, and this year, looking at looking at just some just some kind of baseline numbers. Um, goals goals per game is up real high. Um, they're adding they're adding almost almost a, an additional goal per game. And they're definitely playing better defensively, um, and their 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 uh, their their penalty kill and their power play are just just about just about par with last year. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll hand it over to you guys. Are are you guys buying or are you selling on on what the Red Wings are are, are giving right now? I see Kyle shaking his head right now. Yeah, I'm a big fan of what's happening in Detroit. They went 25 years in a row going to the playoffs and it's been what is seven eight years something since yep. they've been in i think now is the time uh david perron just got started and he's putting up he's putting up points um like crazy i think he scored two yesterday as well um i i love that they locked up dylan larkin i like the defensive core i'm buying if i'm detroit i'm buying let's let's get back to those winning ways I gotta be honest, Kyle. I'm on the other side of this. I'm selling on this one. I think the the Lions are giving the city of Detroit enough good vibes. Web Rings can't do it too. Um, you know what? I'm I'm selling on Detroit. It's not even any fault of their own. I think their division's too stacked. I think you got Boston, you got Florida, you got Tampa, you got Toronto. I think some of these teams in the Metro are going to figure it out from a wild card standpoint. I just don't see them having enough defense and goaltending to really get over that hump um, and make them make their way into the playoffs with some of the other really good teams they got in front of them. I'm going to just make it real easy. I uh, just looking at money puck, which is a site that I've been looking at a lot in, in my short time as a hockey guy um, says they have a 70% chance to make the playoffs, which is a pretty high number to me. So I'm going to buy. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Kyle and Ashley here. I'm, I'm, I'm buying. Uh, I like what I see from the team and um, you know, it's just, it's just, just hope that they can sustain it. Uh, next up, we'll have we'll move along to the uh, the Metropolitan Division, which the, the I don't know why that, that name just it always makes me like this is like kind of a strange name for a division, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, but we'll move along to the Washington Capitals, uh, who currently sit with uh, 22 points on the season, 10, five and two record. Um, and then uh, let's see, we'll pull up their their slide here and, and, and let uh, Luke take it away again. Yeah, yeah, 10, 5, 10, 5 and two to start off the season. They're they're fourth right now in the Metro, but I mean they got they got games in hand to 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 teams teams ahead of them. Only played seventeen games. Definitely a huge surprise this season uh, from the Capitals. Uh, 
and just looking at the notable transaction, you can see why. A um, bunch of departures last season, trading off uh, uh, Orloff and Hathaway, uh, Johansson and Gustafson, and uh, losing, losing Connor Sheary, as well as you know, firing P uh, Peter Laviolette at the end of the season, uh, bringing in Spencer Carberry. And uh, you look at the additions, Joel Edmondson, uh, they traded, uh, traded for him from uh, Montreal. And they bring in uh, uh, Max Pacioretty, who, who hasn't even played a game for for Washington yet. So um, nothing big on the on the addition side. A whole bunch of departures and starting off the season ten five and two, um, just winning games. Um, and you know it's it's funny because you know for the longest time it, you look at this team and it, it's just you got Alex Ovechkin and you got Nicholas Backstrom. These guys are primed for the playoffs, but you know the last couple of years it's kind of it's kind of faded out a little bit. Um, you look at you look at the numbers, you know, last year versus this year, not a lot of major changes. Um, not a lot of major changes in the, in the baseline numbers here, um, and in some categories it gets worse. Um, they're not they're not scoring as much, um, about half a goal less per game. Um, shots shots on both sides are about the same. They're letting in less goals, so they're playing a little bit better defensively. Um, but the power play, my lord, <laughs> it's bad. It is really bad. And um, you know, I was watching. I was watching the press conference after Saturday's game, and uh, you could tell that Spencer Carberry is not happy with the way his team's playing on the power play right now. And he's talking about making making a lot of changes. And again, pre you know, in previous years, uh, the power play was the bread and butter. For this team, I mean, it was Ovechkin in his office setting them up and scoring. Um, so it's it's a little weird to see to see them at 32nd in the league um, in power play. So I'll pass it on to uh, to y'all. Are we buying or are we selling uh, Capitals as a as a playoff team? I guess I'm a, I guess I'm just going to be a hater today because I'm selling on the Caps too. Um, the Caps just have not like I think they're taking advantage of the fact that. Outside of the Rangers, the Metro has really not figured it out yet. The Hurricanes and the Devils are not playing their best hockey. Um, the Penguins are not playing their best hockey. The Flyers have been surprisingly good, but are still the Flyers. Um, and I think they've taken advantage of some soft scheduling. I don't think they do anything overtly impressive. Um, you know, they can make me eat my words, but I, I just don't see them. This is a sustainable pace for Washington over the course of a whole season. Yeah, I know there are only two options here, but I'm going to hold right now um I, I mean, in or out. change the rules he's not he's making up his own rules now <laughs> yeah I, i'm gonna hold uh if if i'm the capitals they do need to get younger so i'm leaning towards i'm leaning towards sell um they definitely need draft picks coming in in the coming years with with some of these older guys um it, it, that's pretty much the only way that i that i feel but i also think that you have to see how the table eventually sorts starts to sort itself out so yeah i'm, can I, can I'm not, I'm not, compl I'm not completely sold on the sell yet <laughs> i'm selling the capitals making the playoffs i watched them play edmonton on friday and they got shut out by edmonton so <laughs> <laughs> i'm selling that's all the reason you need. There you go. There you you go. can't score a goal against the Oilers. You're not making the playoffs. 
That's good. That's good. I'm uh, I'm also sell, I'm selling on uh, I'm selling on the uh, on the capitals as well. And just a couple notes for me, and I, you know, I just kind of want to give give some uplifting uplifting notes for for Caps fans out there. Um, you know, first things first is you know the injury bug was huge last year for for the Caps. Uh, John Carlson uh, missing almost half the season. Uh, Tom Wilson out for most most of the season as well. Um, Nick Backstrom, he is he hasn't played in the game yet this year, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he, re- I'm pretty sure he might have retired. I'm pretty yeah. Uh, yeah. So, again, like those pieces, those those pieces that they've been so accustomed to just plugging in and playing, just just haven't been there. Um, the other positive note, and I know, I know for me, I like to look comparatively between the Capitals and the Penguins. Um, you know, you know, with the whole Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin um rivalry and again two teams took two totally different paths at the, at the deadline last year um penguins penguins went all in missed the playoffs capitals they they were sellers they were sellers they were smart they 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 sold off some pieces that hurt a little bit but they understood where they were and and they're recouping they're recouping the draft capital for that so i i got to give a positive there for for caps fans and and the, and the caps front office for doing that Penguins comparison is definitely interesting, Luke, because uh, Penguins had their power play struggles of their own under right. associate coach Todd Reardon, who was with Washington last year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Moving and, right and, along, we're staying in. Oh, did you have another comment, Kyle? I apologize. No, it's I. You know, all I was going to say was you know roster construction is really similar between the two. Again, it's 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 teams that that really thrived in the 2010s, uh, early part of the 2020s. But it's 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 they're both aging rosters, so I, I just I just find the comparison um, to be really strong there. Next up on our list is a team that's been really fading of late, uh, the New Jersey Devils. Uh, in their last ten games, they're three seven and zero, so they've been really scuffling lately. I know they just made a trade over the weekend, and I'm forgetting what the what the trade in, in, entailed, but uh, I did see that they made a deal. Uh, but currently on the season, they've scored 19 points. They're nine, nine, and one on the season. Um, so take it away, Luke. Yeah. Um, again, you know, going back to going back to some notable transactions. I, I think you're just kind of pushing it in two different two different directions here. Um, I mean, they got the marquee player at the at the deadline last year, Timo Meyer. I mean, everybody was everybody was chomping at the bits to get him. Um, to be honest, he hasn't he hasn't lived up to the bill. I mean, I think he's uh, last I checked was either negative twelve or negative negative fourteen plus minus since since coming over to New Jersey, um, and it's 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 all been the same this year. Um, uh, Damon Severson leaving was uh, or getting traded um, was is a huge loss for them as well. Miles Wood leaving and signing with with uh, Colorado, and you know just a couple pieces here and there. Uh, you know, getting getting Curtis Lazar, getting Tyler Toffoli, those are more depth pieces. Um, but uh, just kind of just kind of a wish wash from uh, on both sides there. And you know, the numbers the numbers there's 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 a pretty big difference between the numbers last year and and what they're looking at this year. Um, big drop in uh, in in uh, goals goals per game. Uh, you know they went from fifth in the league. Now they're now they're nineteenth in the league. Um, they're letting a lot more, let a lot more in the net. 
a lot, uh, a lot more shots, uh, let a lot more shots on net, uh, less shots on net. Um, but the power play is, is stellar. I mean, 36.5. Um, and that just kind of speaks to the, to the, to the top end talent that this team has. Um, the one note, and I'm sure, I'm sure you guys will cover it here too, but, um, you know, opposite to Washington, the, the injury bug has been big for New Jersey this year. So I'll, I'll hand it off to y'all and let you, let you talk it out. Kyle can make up options. Maybe I'll make up an option myself. I'm going to buy, but I'm going to hedge my buy a little bit. I don't have a ton of confidence, but I am going to buy in them. And it's not necessarily because of my belief in, in the Devils, but more so the fact that Two other teams got to come out of the Metro if the Rangers keep up this pace and, and, and manage to make the playoffs as well. Two other teams at least have to come out of the Metro. I don't really believe in a lot of other teams. I have to believe with the offensive firepower the Devils have, even with their goaltending question marks, that they're going to manage to get on a win streak at some point and build up enough points over the course of a season to get into the playoffs. I'll give Jack Hughes his flowers. Dude's a top five player in the game. You got to feel like a guy like that is going to be able to carry the rest of his teammates, his line mates. They got Nico Heischer back now um, to be able to get enough points to get themselves in the playoffs. I don't know if they have the defense and the goaltending to really make a serious run, um, but I, I just can't see them missing the playoffs with the with the offense that they have right now. I agree, and I'm probably buying goaltending <laughs> in, order, in order to get to that spot in the playoffs um, where they were last year. Um, 100% this team is going to pull it back towards the normal, which this team has high-octane offense and decent defense but plays that wide-open style that they could they could score so many goals. Um, I, I can't see them not making the playoffs, um, even from the position that they're in now, I'm buying. I'm going to go ahead and buy as well. Uh, part of that is just a little bit of bias in that over the first like month of the season, I watched a bunch of Devils games, and they were a lot of fun to watch. Um, so not real astute analytical, uh, you know, spot there, but it's just kind of like very anecdotal as far as like, I enjoyed watching their games and, uh, I feel like they're going to turn it around. So I'm going to buy. Yeah. Oh, well, let's make it four, four for four. I'm buying two. Um, like John said, Nico, he should be back in the lineup one seven to two against the Sabres. This is a high octane offense. Um, they're really good defensively as well. Think they'll figure out the goaltending. Um, you know, I know, I know we like to cringe at you know Kira Schmid, and <laughs> he might have been the he might have been the best goalie in the first round of the playoffs last year, um, and it, it definitely frightened some Rangers fans, uh, particularly in this in this cast for sure. Any real goaltending options out there for them right now? Maybe a, maybe a guy like UC Saros in Nashville. You know, I've been watching. I've been actually reading about goaltending, goaltenders' trades and stuff like that. And from what I, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but historically, it doesn't seem like very many goaltenders are traded before like mid-December. Yeah, it looks like they may have to wait a little bit still before they can even find anybody available. I mean, yeah, no, they'll they'll sit they'll sit and wait for the deadline, um, and that's I mean that's typically how it is. What uh, deadline's early March this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they're just they're going to have to sit around and wait. And I think a lot of teams like just like to wait it out and see and see where they're at before they make, you know, make the decision on whether they're buyers or sellers. Um, there, was of, there was a lot of smoke in the offseason about Hellebuck but with how good Winnipeg's played. That's not an option anymore. So no, he's out. I I know you mentioned Saros. I don't I don't see 
Nashville traded Saros. Um, uh, what's interesting is uh, over over in San Jose, I know there's not a lot of good going on over there, but Mackenzie Blackwood has been has been pretty good for San Jose, and um, I think he's think he's pretty familiar with the with the New Jersey landscape. So um, that would be that would be an interesting interesting move as well. Um, moving right along here, we'll move to the Pacific Division and a team that a lot of uh, yeah, I'm a big advanced stats guy in baseball. And so like I've tried to read into the, in hockey as well. I know some guys have told me, Hey, it doesn't really apply. Like it's just luck of the balance and that kind of thing. It doesn't quit looking too much into it. But I noticed a lot of the advanced stats community seems to really hate on the Vancouver Canucks. And they're the next team on our list here. Uh, currently uh, sitting third place in the Pacific division, 14, seven and one, uh, 20, 29 points on the year. Um, but I'll let uh, Luke go ahead and, and, and take over and, and break them down a little bit. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So definitely, definitely some big, big transactions since the deadline, uh, deadline last year, um, you know, trade away Bo Horvat, you're getting Anthony Beauvillier back um, along with, I believe it was a, a 2023 uh, first round draft pick. They ended up getting uh Hronik over the, uh, during the off season. And I mean, he's been he's been something special for them. Uh, Casey DeSmith signed backup goaltender. Um, he's been playing really well. Uh, I think he's I think before last night's game, he was sitting a little bit over two two goals against uh, per game. Uh, you know, they tried it out last year with Oliver Ekman Larson. It didn't work out, uh, so they bought him out, um, and uh, they traded away Luke Shen and, and, and Tanner Pearson as well. Um, you know, looking at the numbers, you know, last year versus this year, uh, the offense, the offense is, is rolling right now. Um, I mean, they're first in the league and this was, this was coming into Saturday. Uh, so this was before, uh, before last night's game against San Jose, uh, they were scoring over four goals a game. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a recipe for success right there. They're letting in less than two and a half goals a game. The power play is getting at a 29% clip. They're high octane. They're they're scoring goals, and you know the the headline says it all. It's Demko. It's Demko and Co. I mean, he's he's been playing at a at a really high level this year, um, and that that's what's gotten them into this third spot. I'm I'm personally buying hard on the Canucks. I don't I don't buy the I don't buy the the necessarily advanced analytics. I get it if you're talking about playoffs, you need a full team effort in the playoffs. And if a star gets shut down, maybe they don't make a big playoff run. I don't see a, a scenario barring injuries where the Canucks don't make the playoffs. You got two star forwards, a star defenseman, and a star goaltender leading the way. Um, we've seen that formula before in a lot of other teams. I just you know unless something happens and all these guys managed to get hurt midway through the season. I just don't see a scenario where the Canucks don't make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm buying as well. Plus 32 goal difference is what sticks out to me. Um, it's crazy, crazy numbers. They've taken care of business against the teams that they have to, and they get to play um, some pretty easy opposition in the Pacific. I, I don't see a world where they're not buyers. Yeah, I agree with uh, – we're going to have a, a clean sweep here, it seems like. Um I mean, 22 games played, that's a pretty substantial uh, number of games, and you're at the quarter pole for the season. They'd have to really, really crash hard the rest of the way not to make it. 89% yeah. um, chance to make the playoffs right now on Money Puck. So 
I'm buying that the the Canucks are going to be in. Yeah, uh, you know, Dan, let's make it. We'll make it four for four. I'm I'm buying here too. Um, you know, one of the and one of the things I wanted to note too, and you know, kind of tip my hat to the front office there. Um, a lot of talk uh, going into the deadline last year about moving JT Miller. They decided not to do that, and JT Miller, I think, has been a top. I think he's been a top fantasy player, um, and he's been a he's been a top player in the NHL. Um, and he does it. He does it on both both ends. He's he's a great offensive weapon, and he's he's got a great stick in the defensive zone as well. I never got the sense Vancouver truly wanted to trade Miller. I always just got the sense they were posturing to see if anybody would wildly overpay. They didn't. They didn't move him. And I again, it's a, it, just a great great move. Great move by Vancouver there. One percent. So next we move along to we're staying in the Pacific Division, uh, but we're moving. Uh, east of vancouver over into alberta uh to the edmonton oilers this has kind of been a very enig enigmatic team this year uh, was expected to be uh you know toward the top of the the division uh in the preseason have really struggled fired uh jay woodcraft uh, to begin in, or earlier this month um the last couple of games they've looked really good on offense uh, they are uh, fifth. They've they've scored 15 points on the season with a record of seven, 12, and one. Um, but Luke, I'll let you kind of take it away. Sure. Yeah. No. I know. I know this one hits hits home a little bit for you. <laughs> um, but just you know, just some uh, notable transactions here. Um, you know, the one big addition was was acquiring Matthias Ekholm at the deadline. Obviously, that carries through this year. Um, Tyson Berry. Uh, was a part of that Matias Ekholm trade. Uh, they they flipped uh, Pujarvi, uh to uh, Carolina, and then during the offseason they traded Ky uh, Kyler Yamamoto to uh, Detroit, who then bought him out and then was signed by uh, Seattle. Uh, Yamamoto, one of those kind of one of those depth pieces that kind of fit in with with uh, with McDavid and and, and Drysital. Uh, so an interesting move there. And uh, Bukestad and, and Costin, they were both. Uh, uh, excuse me, Bukestad was a was a deadline deadline pickup, and then he signed with uh, Arizona. Um, you know, looking at this uh, numbers this year versus last year, um, some big disparities here. You know, kind of like what uh, Ash had uh, referred to before. They're not scoring at the same level that they were last year. Again, they were first in the league at three point nine six. Um, and that kind of speaks again to, you know, how well the Canucks have been scoring this year at 4.07. Um, so, they're, I mean, they're down almost a goal per game. Um, they've always played wide open hockey, so there's always the potential to, you know, let in more goals. Um, so the defense and, and goaltending hasn't always been hasn't always been great uh, up in Edmonton. But they're, uh, the interesting stat for me is uh, they're, they're still shooting the puck a lot. They're second in the league. They're second in the league in, in scoring. The power play is still at twenty-five percent. So there's definitely there's definitely some signs of life there. Um, it just it just hasn't hasn't turned into points for them. So I'll hand it off to y'all and let you discuss. Want me to start, John? Do it. I'm selling. I'm selling before the deadline. I'm going to try and acquire some picks. Um, to shore up that defensive core. We got, as, as you guys will learn from my segment, um, a lot of really strong 
defensive options coming out of the draft this year. Sorry. Sorry, Ash. <laughs> I'm selling. You know, perhaps my hot take of the day, I am going to buy on the Edmonton Oilers. I don't, you know what it is? I don't think you can keep those stars down. I think McDavid has not been McDavid up until this point, and he's starting to find a groove. Um, and, you know, people might not know this. But Chris Knobloch, yeah, exactly. Chris Knobloch was his junior's coach. There's a chemistry there. There's a buy-in there. I think him, Dreisaitl, the rest of the offense uh, just kind of leads them the way they had the last couple seasons. The goaltending has been awful. It's been awful in Edmonton for years. I think they're just due for a positive regression because how bad can goaltending truly be over the course of a full season? Um, if I'm Edmonton, I'm going out there. I'm scouring some of these bad teams. I'm finding some defenseman options that they can add to this list, maybe a goalie option if it's available. Um, but I'm buying on the Oilers. I don't think you can keep McDavid down for as long as, uh, as, long as the full season. Um, I am actually I am buying as well, uh, and it's not just because uh, you know I joined onto the Edmonton bandwagon, uh, but because of the fact that last season when they really turned their year around, um, there were two th- kind of two critical factors. One obviously that they were really good on the power play, uh, but also the last two months of the season, Stuart Skinner was actually really good, um, and. He, the last couple of games, he's actually played very well um, in a shutout over Washington on Friday. Uh, and then they allowed two goals to the Ducks yesterday. But after that, I mean, he just shut them out the rest of the game. Uh, last week or so, last couple of weeks, he's actually looked to be a little bit of improved. I do worry about the fact that they have nobody else behind the net or in front of the net. Uh, so, you know, if Pickard has to come in, I'm not real sold on that. But also the fact that, you know, I was looking at naturalstattrick.com yesterday, uh, and prior to yesterday's game, they were 29th in the NHL in in goals for, in expected goals for, though they were second in the NHL. So they've had a little bit of, you could make a case that they have had a little bit of bad puck luck on the season as well, uh, which may have cost uh, Jay Woodcroft his job. Um, But I do like the system that uh, that Chris Knobloch brings to them, having more aggressive style. Uh, I think it fits having you know very good offensive players. I, I think that's kind of a good fit for them. Uh, Money Puck still has them as a 56% chance to make the playoffs. So I'm buying that Edmonton is going to make it. Yep, I'm, I'm, I'm buying too. Uh, you know, even though I consider the Oilers the, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim of the, of the NHL. <laughs> just all that all that high-end talent but just just cannot just cannot hit that potential that they have um i'm with you know just with john here too you, you cannot keep these stars down i mean mcdavid mcdavid is 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 from another world when it comes to when it comes to speed not only with the feet but with the hands um and 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 dry saddles dry saddles a top five player as well um it's it's hard it's hard to say that that combination will not pull them into the playoffs, regardless of the um, falling short on on defense, defense and goaltending. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 buying on Edmonton. I um, you know, I'm segueing a little bit here, you know, hijacking the show, but there was a goal last night that Connor made. I didn't even know he had a puck had the puck like and it wasn't like there was a big cluster of people it was you know a three on one or three on two i thought that he had passed it to the guy on the other side of the ice yeah next thing i know the they were saying it was a goal and i'm like 
man, I had to watch it back because I didn't even know that he still had the puck. I, I thought he had made a pass. And it, it, he just made it look so easy. I mean, he was just kind of like gliding along. It was just wild to me, like how easy he made that goal look. Uh, he's got about, I wish he's got I would have had it queued up to, to pull it up here, but I don't. He's got about 20, 30 highlight, highlight real goals a season at this point. Uh, the one that sticks in my mind is the one from two years ago against the Rangers at home where he took down all five defenders and the goalie in one play. <laughs> it's one yeah. of the most insane moves I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. If it, if it wasn't if it wasn't McDavid, I would have been I would have been really mad. But I was I was, I was actually che- I was cheering for him. I was like that was awesome. Like I don't, I don't care that you just sent the game to overtime. I'm, I'm so happy for you, man. Ash, if you it's, haven't seen it, I mean he starts from the neutral zone and he goes right through all five. Like like they don't even exist. It was. It was so fast. Was like, I got a best player it. on planet Earth. <laughs> Here he is. He makes plays though that like it seems like he's in regular shoes on a basketball court and everybody else is on ice. It's like how does he change direction like that? Like sometimes it's just, I don't know. It just blows me away. So it, it's been fun to watch, uh, especially since he's come on in the last few games. Because the first I don't know. I mean I know we're so early, but I'm going to say the first half of the of this season he he wasn't looking like that. And the last few games, he's really made some moves where I'm just like, oh, my God, what the hell? <laughs> um, anyway, continuing on, we're going to shift gears here. Sorry, i got to change my screen. Uh, we're going to shift to the Central Division, uh, to the team that just uh, released their coaching, coaching staff today, the Minnesota Wild, uh, 14 points on the season, 5-10-4 record. In their last 10, though, they're 2-6-2. Two, so uh, not looking great uh, for Minnesota. Uh, I'll turn it over to you, Luke. Yeah, no, I, I mean, when you when you pull up the notable transactions, I mean, it, it's pretty clear that, um, you know, there was a, well, lot, a lot of losses on the on the right hand side. Uh, you know, Jordan Greenway wasn't working out in, in Minnesota, traded the deadline to, to Buffalo. Uh, Matt Dumba is his contract entity signed with Arizona this year. Um, Kalen Addison was traded. I think that was only a couple of weeks ago. He's traded out to San Jose. And I think he's, I, again, there's very few bright spots in San Jose, but I think he's been playing pretty well out there. Um, Sam, uh, Sam Steele, maybe a little bit more of a depth piece, but signed with, signed with Dallas. Ryan Reeves, who, you know, <laughs> we're familiar with here, uh, you know, enforcer kind of player. Um, signed with uh, Toronto. And, um, you know, the last three guys, Nyquist, Klingberg, and Sunquist, all acquired at the deadline last year. Um, all acquired at the deadline um, and, and signed elsewhere. Not a lot of big additions on, on the other side. Uh, Marcus Johansson, they acquired at the deadline, and he, he ended up signing a two-year contract, so he did stay around in, in, uh, in Minnesota. And uh, Patrick Maroon brought in from, uh, brought in from Tampa Bay. I think they traded the fourth or fifth round pick for him, um, maybe to fill the shoes of Ryan Reeves. Um, but again, you just see all these all these subtractions on the right hand side. Not a lot of additions on the uh, on the left hand side, um, and it kind of kind of kind of plays into the numbers that that we're seeing this year. Um, letting in a ton of goals, <laughs> um, three point nine four per game. Uh, they're still scoring at, at, at around the same click, 19th in the league. They were 23rd last year, um, letting up the same same amount of shots, taking the same amount of shots. Um, the power plays, you know, again in the back back half of the league, and the penalty kill. 
I don't think you get much worse than uh, 67%, which I guess plays into the plays into 3.94 goals per game. Um, so it, it it really hasn't been running wild for them, it, or if they are running wild, they're running wild in the wrong direction right now. Um, so I'll hand it off to y'all. Are, are, are we buying? Or are we selling? Are we selling on the wild right now? I got to sell in the wild. They just, they're just not a very impressive team. I don't know what it is about Minnesota sports. They're never bottom of the barrel, but they're just always, eh. you know, they, they, they don't impress me. Um, They, they, you know, Kirill the thrill is one of the best players in the league. Um, Love Zook. But after that, they just don't do a lot to really jump off the page at you. Um, I think if you're the wild at this point, you do a controlled sell. I'm not saying a complete rebuild, but there's definitely some pieces that you can get rid of get some younger pieces back, get some draft picks back. Kyle mentioned a lot of defensemen in the draft this year. Um, I think that for them, I, I think you got to look around and realize that, you know, you're not, you're not beating anybody anytime soon. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think it's a controlled sell as well. Um, I, I haven't really looked at what their contracts look like, but I, I, I think you got to pick up some pieces from the draft and and start to start to build around Kirill Kaprizov. He's too good to miss the playoffs, I think. Money Puck says 24% chance to make the playoffs. I'm selling. Yeah. <laughs> He's like enough enough said. I'm 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 selling. I'm selling. I don't I don't need the I don't need anything else here. Uh, I'm I'm selling as well, um, and you know I think you guys were talking more, maybe more conservative approach as sellers. I think it's I think it's full rebuild. I think you tear it down. Um, if they if they had the structure in the last couple of years that took them to the conference finals or took them to the Stanley Cup, I would say I would say yeah. But again, they're they're they've always been kind of this fringe team, and and now now they're falling towards the bottom. Uh, you build around Kirill, you 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 build around Boldy, um, and 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 find the pieces, and and hopefully in a couple of years they can they can pick it back up because uh, those guys are still young. You always worry in these leagues if these stars are going to want to stick around for rebuilds, though. I think that's something that Minnesota is definitely going to consider. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't you know know enough about Kirill to say whether or not he'd want to be out if they did start a full rebuild, but I think that's definitely a factor. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's. I think he signed a seven seven year deal. Was that a, a couple couple off seasons ago? Um, you know, I guess. I guess he believed believed in the team, or he just he just wanted his long term contract. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. And I think I think he has a pretty movable contract as well. I think it's fairly team friendly um, for the caliber player that he is. So um, yeah, definitely an option for the Wild as well. But. Um, it's definitely not an asset. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be dangling around at first. Well, just shooting from the hip, um, one team that we didn't have on there that is kind of in that um, middle. You know, they're in a playoff position right now, but they're kind of in that in between spot is uh, the St. Louis Blues. Uh, and the reason I bring them up is because if they were to fall out of playoff contention, that's they they have a goaltender that's been rumored to be on the block if they were to fall out in Bennington. Um, what do you guys see the blues going? Uh, the central, I, I'll go for, I mean, the central's tough. Um, and maybe Ash to put it, put it in perspective, central really lines up with the central in the MLB. Um, it's, it, there's not a lot of high end, high end talent there. Um, it's definitely a division that they can end up in the top three. So I don't, I don't necessarily see them as, as sellers just yet. 
Um, I think I think they're definitely going to wait and see how the how the landscape of the central plays out. Um, you know, you you have Dallas and you have you have you have uh, Colorado who are you know by all rights top top five top six in the league, um, but behind them the the talent just kind of just kind of falls off. So I think I think they're I think they're just gonna I think they're gonna cruise along. Yeah, the Blues are de the definition of a too early to tell. Um, you know, a little bit of a cop out answer, but I just I don't I don't know if the Blues even know what they want to do yet. I think <laughs> I think it's going to be one of those things that they are prepared to buy or sell based off of how the next two months go. Um, and then kind of up next on the docket, uh, we one of our uh, members here, you know, Kyle. He's been a, a real avid fan of. of following prospects and that kind of thing. So we wanted to kind of give him a little bit of a forum uh, to talk about some prospects that he's been tracking. And uh, we will first dive into, let's see here. I'm sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Uh, Berkeley uh, Catton, I'm not sure if I pronounced that right, but uh, go ahead and take it away, Kyle. Yeah, you, you got it. Uh, I actually pronounced his name because I play a lot of shell. Every time his name popped up, I, I pronounced it wrong. Um, I almost said cotton. That's why I kind of stumbled. I, 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 I pronounced it Catan. <laughs> I pronounced it Catan for a long time. And um, the most famous, the most famous board game ever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Catan. Um, I actually had the pleasure to watch last night play. I can talk about that a little bit. Um, but he's a forward for the Spokane Chiefs. Um, wears a number twenty-seven. Uh, kind of small. He played center last night. Um, Hundred uh, hundred sixty-three pounds. Um, my projection for him is number six um, in the draft coming up this year. His strengths um, kind of changed after watching him yesterday. This isn't necessarily a um, an importance list. They're all just kind of there. Um, but definitely his vision on the ice and his hockey IQ are listed among on every site that I visited. His, uh, his highest quality uh, leadership, his puck skills. Pro release, um, for those of you that don't know what that is, uh, he gets rid of the puck quick when he's shooting. It's um, A pro release would be an NHL caliber shot. Um, he's a big game player, um, played in the juniors for Team Canada. He scored, a, he scored a big goal in the semifinal, and I think he scored another big goal in the final for them. Um, and his edge work, um, this refers to his agility when he's skating, um, moves out of tight areas very, very quickly. Um, he's, he's an NHL ability player. Um, my only real question, um, and I call these question marks, not weaknesses. These kids are 17 years old, <laughs> um, would be his size and his strength. Um, is he, is he going to bulk up enough to play at the next level at 18 years old? Time will tell. Um, defensive end, he talks a lot about in his, uh, in his interviews that are documented online, uh, his defense is considered pre-offense. Um, he wants to he wants to obtain the puck um, in the defensive end and be skating north. Um, he's he's working on it a lot. He talks about it a lot. Um, another question mark: baby face of the franchise. I like to throw that in there because he looks so young. <laughs> uh, uh, he's kind of like one of our one of our guys here. Uh, and, and he also <laughs> not talking about me and all that. <laughs> uh, he also this isn't really a question mark. It's just like a fun fact in there. Um, he was the uh, WHL Bantam draft uh, 
number one overall. He's lived up to that expectation and more. Um, so being drafted, being drafted high doesn't doesn't really seem to affect him. My comparison, um, and this does not change from watching him last night, is to Quinn Hughes. Um, I know Quinn Hughes is a defensive player, um, but he's he's able to manipulate the puck at high speed um, combined with his decision making. Just even watching last night, it reminds me so much of of Quinn Hughes um, playing on the power play because it did seem like when he was when he was playing last night, like there was more room than there should have been because of how quickly he was moving. Um, but yeah, um, game notes from last night, he took three penalties. Uh, the refs definitely had a target on him. <laughs> he scored a goal and got an apple. So um, he had a he had a pretty good game in uh, in Portland. Um, one other thing that I wanted to add, which isn't necessarily his gameplay. He's the first guy on the ice. He's the last guy off the ice for Spokane. Um, really like that. Talks to every single one of his players in pregame. Um, and he's loud. He's really loud. You hear his voice. Um, right off the bat and you know that he's demanding the puck um really really excited about this kid and um, i'm gonna stop rambling i, I like him <laughs> anybody else have any comments on it obviously i'm not a um I, I know nothing about hockey prospects so uh anybody else have any comments on, on berkeley yeah i think i think we could i think we could talk a little bit about you know where where he fits in the nhl i know we are so far away from the draft right now and and how the you know how the standings are going to make up but you know listen to listen to Kyle's analysis and, and looking at where the standings are and you know looking at the draft from last year I mean Montreal and Arizona look like looks like some really good landing spots for him um both both took to vendors in the first round last year uh and I'll pronounce his name correctly unlike Carey Price uh Rainbacker uh, was taken by Montreal in the first round last year, um, and you know the the prowess of having them uh, having Catton with uh, with either Clayton Keller or Nick Suzuki um, that 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 could be big time for them. You know, I love the I love the Quinn Hughes comparison, despite the fact they don't play the same positions in terms of their kind of majesty with the clock a little bit, you know, from the way you described him and some of the things that I have seen myself, um, I think that's a really apt comparison. I think that in, in today's game with the amount of speed that we're seeing across all teams, being able to kind of move the puck at will and, and, and feel like the puck is on a string at all times is something that fits in just about any franchise. It's something that translates to the NHL when some of these other skills that some of these younger players have sometimes don't always translate the best. Uh, moving on uh, to the next player on the on the conversation list is uh, Sam Dickinson, and let me get him pulled up here for you, uh, Kyle, and you can kind of discuss him a little bit. Yeah, Sam Dickinson uh, plays for the London Knights in the OHL. I'm, I plan on doing this every week, so I'm going to try and group guys, um, try and do it my best uh, with where they are in the draft as well as um, where they play geographically. Um, Sam Dickinson, uh, defenseman, six foot three, one ninety four, um, left-handed. Uh, I haven't projected at three. Um, it's far too early to tell. Uh, top five guys. Uh, he definitely goes in the top five. Uh, strengths. Uh, he's a complete two-way defender. Uh, he uh, is very, very uh, good at defending one-on-one -on -one and even in two-on-one situations at his level. Um, that would be defending against the rush, um, strength and speed, uh, 
is is NHL caliber. His poise is decision making. And uh, I added in there ACE inhibitor. Uh, he definitely lowers a coach's blood pressure when he is on the ice. <laughs> um, we got to add that to the, to the Chell superstar abilities next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, question marks for me would be his his room to grow. I think he needs to go to an NHL team where he is ready to play in a top four pairing. Um, his point production is not super high. You guys can see the stats down there. Um, and can he do that at the NHL level is always what you question about these high defenseman draft picks. Um, is he ready to take that step? Um, my comparison um, shows how highly I regard this player, Miro Haskinen, um, Dickinson. Any team would want him. Um, he can play in all situations on the back end. He can contribute offense when needed and is a defenseman I can see with really high time on ice numbers for years to come. I think any team would be happy to have him. What do you guys, what do you guys think? Where would, where would he fit John? I don't, you know, with the way that the Sharks uh, lottery luck has come over the past couple of years, I'm not, I'm not convinced that they're going to wind up with the first overall pick, uh, even though they probably deserve it off this season. Um, but it all starts on the back end. I mean, they could use everything, but it all starts on the back end. I think a guy like this could be a huge help for them if they, if they fall below that, uh, that first overall. Yeah, I, I got him pegged uh, either, either in Anaheim or, or in Chicago. Um, I think, you know, Chicago coming off drafting Connor Bedard first overall, um, they definitely have, have some pieces up front, uh, you know, they have Seth Jones locked up for long term, but I don't know how sustainable that is for the future. And, you know, outside of him, there's, there's not much going on on the defensive end for, for Chicago, uh, Anaheim again, second overall pick last year, taking a forward Leo Carlson, um, it really same, uh, similar situation, uh, you know, some aging, aging defenders over there, uh, Camp Fowler, uh, 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 Gudis. Um, so I think they're probably going to look for some sustainability on the back end as well. Um, so I, I keep your eyes on the first, the first two overall picks from last year uh, for Sam Dickinson. And Absolutely. after watching Anaheim last night, man, they could use some defense. <laughs> <laughs> They got a lot of good young forwards on that team, so uh, yeah. a defenseman should uh, yeah. help them out. This guy, this guy can bring it. This guy can bring it to any organization, but we'll see. Yeah, and, and every team not in the playoffs is in the lottery in the NHL, right? Yeah, yes. Okay. I have, I've yet to to go through that cycle, so I haven't. They have they have changed the system the last couple of years to ensure that uh, you don't have uh, what happened with like the Rangers and the Devils a couple of years ago, jumping up ten spots, um, but. Yes, every team is in the lottery. Uh, so you can't get like a Spurs where like they got Tim Duncan, even though they already had David Robinson. <laughs> you know, I don't know the I don't know the exact new rules, but I believe you can't jump more than seven or eight spots. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they had two years in a row where teams at like ten or eleven jumped into the top two, and I think that that was uh, something they were a little concerned about. Gotcha. Who's, who's the first pick in twenty two? Uh, own power. Oh, much. Jeez. All right. So 2020 was the Rangers, right? Uh, Lafreniere. Yeah. 2020 was Rangers. So 2021 was Buffalo. Okay. Power, power was 21. 
So you have Rangers, Buffalo, Montreal, and Chicago, right? So three of the last four years, you got you got big market teams getting getting first overall picks. The league might not admit it, but that's what they want. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making any specific accusations, but I'm just. I'm just throwing it out there. No shenanigans. <laughs> Uh, moving right along, we've got uh, the, another uh, youngster to talk about here, Ryder Ritchie. And let me get him pulled up and then take it away, Kyle. Yeah, I actually saw Ryder Ritchie play within the last month as well before I even knew that we were going to be doing this podcast. So I don't have any game notes on him. Um, but he plays with the uh, with the Prince Albert Raiders in the WHL. Um, big forward, uh, six foot tall, 174. Um right-handed as well. Um, I haven't projected at 18th. Um, his strengths, um, from what I, from what I remember were size and strength. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily the height. It's the, it's the way that he plays. Um, he, he definitely gets into the dirty areas of the ice and he, he takes up, he takes up a lot of space, um, with his skating. Um, he's got a, he's got a quick release as well. Uh, he's got the patience in the offensive zone. He does a lot of, um, you guys remember uh, Matt Cullen uh, with the one hand on the stick. It's like you can't even get near him, um, and that's at the WHL level. So um, it, it, he does have a lot of highlight real stick handling plays as well, um, which I didn't get to see live, but it, they're out there. Uh, my question marks for him, which probably drop him a little bit further down in my draft rankings, um, his readiness, uh, I don't think he's – particularly one of those guys that's going to go right into the league um size and strength does not translate to the nhl he's he's big and he's strong uh playing against 20 year olds he's he's not going to be that in the nhl uh his goal scoring from what i saw um has been streaky he'll go three or four games with you know six eight points and then he'll go quiet for a week um edges uh could use a little bit of work that that agility to get up to the NHL level, NHL level, um, and he uses a stick that matches his team colors, which is a big question mark for me. Um, at least that's what I've read on the report. Um, I, I I appreciate a guy that has a favorite stick, loves to use it, loves the flex of it, and uh, and he he's just not one of those guys. And for me, that's a question mark. Uh, <laughs> my my question mark or sorry my comparison is uh alex tuck um although he's not quite six foot four alex tuck um he has a similar style of play in the offensive zone he's not gonna he, he's not gonna kill you with speed um but he is he is powerful enough to get to get into goal scoring areas um and also tuck was selected 18th in 2014 so i think uh i think it's fair that Ryder Ritchie goes in a similar spot. Be interested to see if it's Minnesota. Give me a, what do you, give me what a do couple, you guys think? Give me a couple teams on opposite sides of the country when I'm looking at potential landing spots. I'm thinking Carolina and LA off the top of my head. Um, two defensively, uh, you know, two defensive teams that like pride themselves on, uh, you know, stopping the puck, slowing down things in the neutral zone um, that could use a little bit more forward help. I mean, you know, the Alex Tuck comparison is great because I feel like Alex Tuck is a guy that would fit in seamlessly with both of those squads um, and also two teams that will probably be picking around that 21 time. Um, so definitely could see him being a fit on both of those squads. 
Yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna kind of go with the same analysis there. Um, I'm gonna go with the Nashville Predators um, again. One of those one of those fringe playoff teams right there is probably gonna be sitting sitting right around right around that spot. Um, you know, Barry Trotz love, loves those guys who can who can grind it out. Um, you know, you got the question of size and strength. It's always gonna be the question for all these guys coming out of coming out of juniors. He's gonna grow. Um, if he's bigger than the guys in the in the in juniors right now, I think I think he'll I think he'll match up eventually with with the NHL guys. I think he'll be I think he'll be a great guy, and I think uh, I think Barry Trotz will like that. Um, you know, I mentioned Minnesota Wild. Um, if you're if you're pegging them at 18 on the way the Wild are playing right now, um, I, I think it's I think it's a little bit too much of a stretch for them. Um, another team, uh, definitely the Seattle, uh, Seattle Kraken. Um, again, another team that's going to be a fringe, fringe playoff team, probably sitting right around where where you're projecting Ryder Ritchie. Um, uh, and they could definitely they could definitely use the forward forward help this year or future years, really. Yeah, perfect. Thank you guys for uh, you know kind of educating myself a little bit on some of these prospects that uh, obviously I wouldn't have too much knowledge about. So I appreciate your uh, breakdown Kyle and everybody else's input on where they think they would fit in that that definitely helps a lot but uh, as I mentioned earlier you know being new to the sport I uh, th there's some things that just don't make a lot of sense to me and I know that they're very basic to people who have been watching the game for a long time so I think I must ask you guys a question tonight <laughs> I, and the thing that I just I, I'm not getting is icing like it seems like a very basic concept and very a very basic rule, but like what it's described to me and what I see not called a lot is confusing. Because, for instance, like the other night, Edmonton was uh, a man down a, a couple of different times where they just kept chucking the puck the other end of the the ice, like over and over again. They just kept doing that to to like uh, you know waste time during the power play, basically that. Uh, Anaheim had and I'm like well shouldn't that be icing if you're just like slapping it down to the other end continuously to waste time and not once did they call it so like enlighten me guys um if we have time I, I can add a little bit of a story uh, to this icing rule uh it was introduced in 1937 um because teams would just do that before it was a rule um We'll get to the shorthanded side of, of things. Um, and in a game between uh, the Rangers and the Bruins, the puck was iced over 50 times just during normal normal play. So <laughs> they introduced the icing rule um, where if you're behind the center line, you cannot play it behind the other team's goal line um, without their goalie playing it. When you're shorthanded, however, that's – the one benefit that your team has is that icing does does not exist when you're shorthanded. So you can just clear the puck down the ice. Oh, okay. Yeah. Learning so, something new tonight. Yeah. And a couple of uh, two so two uh two additional notes. Um one of the new changes that had to be within the last 10 years. Um you used to have to touch the puck. Uh the defender would have to touch the puck in order to secure the icing. Um, they got rid of that. I, again, I can't remember, but it had to be within the last 10 years. Um, so you'll actually, it, 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 Ash, you'll probably notice the guys are racing towards 
um, the faceoff dot in the uh, in the offensive zone, right? Um, so the whoever gets to the faceoff dot first um, wins the icing. So if the if the team that's dumping it in uh, gets there before the defending team does, then then the icing is negated. Um, and the reason they did that, a lot of people were were pretty upset about it, um, is particularly for player safety. Um, you know, you got you got you got guys coming in at ridiculous speeds, trying to you know trying to trying to get the puck, and you think about the distance between the net and the boards. Guys were flying into the boards. Guys were flying into other players. Um, so I think it was one of the things that the that the league got right um, from from player uh, player safety perspective. I don't think it takes away from the game at all. Uh, guys are still hustling to that to that faceoff dot uh, as well. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say too is, and uh, the refs can always review um, icing as well. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but the and it's not like it's a replay review or anything like that. But all the refs can get together and say, was that actually icing or was it not icing? Um, and they can they can overturn it when that happens. It goes it goes to center ice and they they'll do a faceoff from there. So it just kind of just kind of becomes a wash. Gotcha. Well, I appreciate that. I, it just seems like a weird time, thing. It's, it's like sometimes they call it and sometimes they, I see the same thing happen and it's like they don't. So I'm like not understanding what's going on. It's like, I don't know, it just doesn't seem as clear cut as like offsides or something, for example. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> visually, visually, it's hard to see that a guy got a stick in to deflect the puck in behind um, yeah. when they're in the neutral zone. Um, so that could be confusing as well. But as long as you touch the puck in, in any way um, before the blue line, icing will not be in play. Gotcha. Well, I think that wraps up all of our uh, planned topics for tonight. Um, before we, we head out, uh, does anybody have any final thoughts on uh, things they've seen early in the season, in the first quarter of the season? And, uh, anything like that that they'd like to add, Kyle? Do you got anything? No, just happy to be here. Thanks for uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, we'll go just kind of go around. Luke, what about you? Any anything? Any, any final thoughts for tonight? Not nothing in particular. A great first uh, great first podcast. Um, you know, as uh, as Keith the Chuck once said, uh, we it's no longer let's go. It's we went. I really want you to pull up that clip on, uh, on the next one. <laughs> it's a it's a gem. You might have to remind me before we get on. So yeah, John, how about you? I got nothing else to add. I love hockey, man. I'm thrilled to be here talking about it. I'm thrilled that you know all teams. I, I think this just this is just awesome. I'm glad everybody's involved, and uh, you know, looking forward to a really great rest of the season. Yeah, it's just uh, it, it's just weird to me because like. I, I kind of think of it like if I had never watched baseball before, like the drop third strike would probably be really weird. And so like, that's basically me in hockey. Like I, everything is weird right now. Like I don't, nothing seems to make total sense yet. And I'm just waiting for it to all click, uh, but I'm having a lot of fun. It's like, I don't know. I just can't believe I, I waited this long in my life to give it a chance. And it's been really cool. Um, appreciate Luke and, and the rest of the guys in the Discord if they uh, happen upon and watch this. I, I want to thank everybody for encouraging me to give it a shot because it, it's been a lot of fun. 
Um, I'm looking forward to tomorrow night. Uh, Edmonton plays Las Vegas. I forget where it's at, uh, but that's kind of the game this week that I'm looking forward to the most because we'll kind of see where Edmonton's at because they played a lot better the last two games, but that's a tall task. So anyway, if nobody else has any final thoughts, thank you guys for watching the show. Please hit the like and subscribe button uh, and turn those notifications on so that uh, when we're on next time, you'll get that notification to that, that we're going live and uh, the, the shows will always be available archived as well. So appreciate everybody's time. Make sure you comment if you have any topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Thank you.